Hi, I'm Kevin Harrington, an original shark from the hit television show Shark Tank, and you're listening to the Underdog Podcast. I've been too high up to fall, question marks, what's up with y'all? All we know is over time, barking like some underdogs. Underdogs, underdogs, underdogs. All we know is over time, barking like some underdogs. Underdogs, 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 underdogs. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Underdog Podcast. Today, I have an incredible guest here with me. Jean, how are you? I'm doing fantastic, Pamela. How are you? I am doing a fabulous, fabulous. It's been so incredible catching up with you prior to this call. My goodness, you're a rock star in so many different realms. I just like, can't wait to get into your story and learn all about you. Me too. Let's do it. <laughs> so one of the things that I really love is taking it way, way, way back, kind of almost mm. at origination point for mm. you. So one of my favorite questions to start with is what did you want to be when you grew up as a kid? I wanted to be an actress. Oh, what inspired that? Who or what inspired that? Do you know what? Well, actually, I did become an actress, FYI. I just loved old movies. I used to watch the old movies, the matinees, and I just loved old Hollywood. Like just, I just found, I, I knew like for somebody my age, I just knew like all the stars and I knew all the old movies and I found them charming and awkward, you know, and I thought, oh, I, I want to do that. And then I watched Gone with the Wind when I was like 13 and I thought, oh, I want to be Scarlett O'Hara. <laughs> and that really actually was like kind of what motivated me. I thought, I want to do that. And of course, everybody says that. And I actually remember saying to one of my former teacher that we had remained in contact and he was still my mentor kind of. And he goes, well, what do you want to do? And it was, I was 13. I said, I want to be an actress. I said, and for a joke, I said, I'll think I'll start with Gone with the Wind and work my way up. And he laughed. I was just kidding. <laughs> He's like cracking up because you're too much. I said, yeah, sure. Because we all know that Gone with the Wind was like the role of like this century, you know? And I said, yeah, I think I'll start with Gone with the Wind and work up. And I was joking, but ended up being an actress. I wasn't a famous actress, but you know, I didn't do it for quite a while while I did other stuff. And I was in a, one film that people might know called No Reservations. And I still get a residual check to this day because I had one line in it. But you know, that is not an easy career. And there's so much people don't know about that. It's just, it's the really, your odds are stacked against you. It's really a lottery ticket. So when I did other things, I thought, wow, so much easier, you know, like rejection. Yeah, I could take that. So actually before that, there was that. And I also wanted to be a fashion designer. So I did, I ended up doing both. I got a degree in fashion design because I thought, well, acting probably is not such the greatest idea. And my parents would never have let me do that anyway at that time. I did it later. And, you know, I don't blame them. It's not like a stable job to be an actress, right? So <laughs> it's not in our family. It's not the culture. So I thought, okay, I'm very artistic. So I became a fashion designer, but I was very disenchanted with that very soon, you know, because it's, not really about being creative, is it? You know, when you're young, it's I want to be creative. Well, it's not just about the business, right? So that was when I was not business minded at all. So this new, this business minded thing came way later. Yeah, I love it. So walk me through the journey of how you got into, so the fashion industry and then into acting, because that's fascinating. I love hearing the journey in detail. Okay, so the journey is I grew up in Australia. We moved to Australia when I was seven. Grew up there and then I went to college, did fashion design. I got jobs and I thought, oh, I don't really like it this much because, you know, I don't know about the fashion industry now, but I won't make any comments. But you know, in those days, it was very superficial people. A lot of them were very just, you know, looks conscious. And I thought, oh, like I'm deeper than that. And I was doing it for the art of it. But then you're, you're kind of hanging around. And I was very talented. So people were like, oh, you're going to be like, you know, I got jobs. And like, you're so good. I was very good at designing. But 
But uh, it's not really like the industry that I, I don't feel like it's me. And I felt like they were very obsessed with, you know, buying a BMW. I thought, oh, I'm not worried about whether I bet. I'm very not materialistic, which is ironic because I make a lot of money now. But that was my struggle for a lot of my life is that I'm not materialistic. Like at one point after I worked in the industry and it, I felt, you know, I just, I found it a bit toxic just but, uh, and I got a bit burnt out. And I thought, oh, so 23, I thought, I really just wanted to be an actress. I think I'm going to do that. I'm going to go to other countries. So I started doing that while I was studying acting. And I started getting some acting work here and there and moved to Paris. And I was a real, like, real, like, arty person. I lived in a garret with no heat, overlooking the Church of Saint-Sulpice, like Mimi and La Boheme. And I thought it was, like, romantic. And I would go to cafes and talk to my artist friends and teach English. And then I got, you know, odd jobs. And I became a translator. But I was still... It was just very arty, you know, and I learned a lot because I was having really interesting conversations with like some top artists of the world. Like they all hung out and, you know, they were cool people and very educated, culturally people, you know, and I would teach English and a lot of my clients were very cultured and I'd learn from them. So I, I saw Paris as sort of like a very liberal arts degree for me. Like I learned so much about art, history, all sorts of stuff. So I was a sponge. And that was a really very developmental stage in my life, actually, just living there. And in Europe, I was in Europe. I was also in Vienna. So I feel like I really learned a lot about culture and people and art and history. It was like a long education. You can't learn that in college, right? Mm -hmm. And so I was just sort of like being this, you know, down and out person. And I just thought, okay, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> After a while, it's not fun being poor. It's like, okay, this is not fun. It was kind of romantic. It's not fun. I thought I'm going to move to the States. And when I moved to the States, I didn't even have, I had a passport and I had to get a new one. I had no social security number. So I had to like apply for a social security number. Wow. I started off like as an immigrant in my own country. And I went to New York to do acting. And also to get other jobs. So then I started, you know, and I was 32 at that point, kind of old to start in New York, right? But I thought I, I want to at least try and do other stuff. So I did a lot of like experimental theater and, you know, off, off, off Broadway kind of stuff. And then I just had to get jobs. So I, by accident, got a job as an executive recruiter on Wall Street <laughs> by accident. The guy just really loved my accent because I had a very cultured accent because I'd lived all over. And he's like, you sound so like cultured. You know, we, the investment bankers, they want to hear somebody cultured and not, not with like a Brooklyn accent. And I said, okay. I said, I don't know anything about business. I was not business minded at all. I said, I don't know anything about stocks or bonds. He said, that's okay. We'll teach you. I said, okay. And um, so I got this job part-time and I was naturally very talented at recruiting, which I never knew. It was the one thing in my life where I did not have to try to be good at it. It was insane. And my boss said to me when I started, he said, you are going to be the best recruiter I've ever met in my life. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, I can tell. A week later, he goes, you are the most talented recruiter I've ever come across in my whole entire life. And it's natural. He said, you just know how to talk to people. I said, that's because I've traveled a lot. He goes, I can see, I, I can just talk to anyone. And most of the people were fooled by me, except for one guy, because I was just like reading what he told me to, it was like Chinese whispers. He said, you're going to be fine. Just say this when they ask that question. I literally was talking to people not knowing what I was talking about, but made it seem like I was. And I eventually learned. Finally, one guy said, you don't know what the heck you're talking about, do you? And I said, nope. <laughs> and he said, okay, I'll explain it to you. I said, thank you so much. I never lied. I said, nope, I don't. Tell me. And he goes, he says, you must fool a lot. I said, yeah, I said, you're the only one that ever asked. We were cracking up, but I'm so transparent. I said, I don't actually. I'm just like, wrote. He's like, well, pretty convincing, but I could tell that you didn't know what that was. I said, I don't. He's all explain it. So anyway, that was how I started my, I was part-time. And then I got really good at that. 
when I was a top recruiter on invest, uh, investment, recruiter on Wall Street, and I started doing like investment bankers and stuff like that. Wow. So I was doing that on the side while I was still acting, and then I started making films. So yeah. I negotiated. I said, I don't want to do that. I don't want to give up my life of creativity. The boss just said, sure, you're so good. Do what do you, what do you want to do? I said, I want to work three days a week. They said, sure, just get us clients. I closed more people than all the other people put together working three days a week. That's crazy. Yeah. Look at that. Wow. Wow. Three days a week. And then investment bankers. That's so funny that it was something that you didn't picture yourself doing. It just kind of. I just fell into it. I just answered an ad in the actor page and he goes, look, I really want to talk to you. I go, okay. And I bought a suit. I actually, I bought skirt, you know, suit, you know, the skirt suits we used to wear and uh, you know, the Ally McBeal kind of thing, but longer. And I had to buy it to go to the interview because I had nothing. I was living in a rat infested apartment in Brooklyn that a friend of a friend said, Hey, you could stay. I was like, I just want to get out of here. It was really gritty. And then when he was hiring me, it was so funny. Seinfeld was still going on then that show. Yeah. This is 1998. Okay. And it was just kind of, they were just sort of winding down and I had just started watching. I didn't know what Seinfeld was. I never had a TV in Paris. I didn't, you know, and he says to me, he goes, I said, I don't think you want to hire me. He goes, why not? I said, I don't know anything about wall street. I said, I'm like, don't know anything about business. I don't know what a stock or a bond. He goes, that's okay. I'll coach you. I said, I really don't know if I'm going to do a good job. And he says to himself, he goes, this is so funny. This is like a Seinfeld episode. He goes, look, you're unbelievable. I'm hiring you. Okay. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> and he's like, this is like a Seinfeld episode. So then from there, I did that for a while. And then 9-11 happened. So everybody lost their job in recruiting. And then I was just doing consulting with that. And I'd get called in when they couldn't find people. And then I got married at the age of 40. And that did not work out. And that's when I started coaching. Mm -hmm. I had two kids at that point. And this was in New York? In New York. I had a one-year-old and a four-year-old in New York taking care of those kids, thinking, what the heck am I going to do? And I thought, I have to do something from home. I had, I thought, hmm. And I started a kid's blog, actually, a kid's fashion, fashion blog, which did really well. People loved it. They're like, oh my gosh, it's amazing. How long have you been doing this? And I was thinking three months. And I'd get invited to places and they'd send me great designer clothes for my kids. My kids were the, the best dressed poor kids in New York. <laughs> oh. And then I thought, okay, I'm not going to make this sustainable enough. So then I thought, what else do I do? Uh, but it got me out there and it got me confidence talking to people and being online. And then I just thought, okay, I, I, I'm really good at coaching people. I'm going to be a coach. So that's what I did. I got certified online at night in my pajamas and I started getting clients. It's amazing. That's amazing. And at that point, so after the blog, what did you focus on in terms of the marketing? Like what, what, what were you like focused on in your business? Because I mean- That is a great question. You're smart because this is what happened. I started doing the whole offline dance. Okay. I didn't know how to go online and I'm not techie at all. And it was very intimidating. I saw people doing landing pages that oh, I don't even know what that is. I'm not techie. I got to get online. Oh, and I also wasn't feeling great about myself. So I was like, oh, I got to show my face. And, you know, for somebody in that not great, not great mindset of just being through, going through a lot, you know, I thought, you know, I'm just going to meet people in person. When people meet me in person, I'm great. People always say that to me now. And I'm like, yep, it's a trap. But so I got offline and I was really good. And I, I got clients and I was hustling. And it was really hard because I had to get like a babysitter and wipe avocado off my top and go to the dead, tired, sleep deprived, really a hustle. And actually, when I look back at it now, I don't even know how I survived that. I don't even know how I got through that. I just did because it was hard. And then I was getting clients at networking events and following up the whole offline thing that's broken because we have online. And then I remember I was just thinking, I've got to get online. 
And then a big disaster happened and we had to move from New York City and deal with this big personal disaster, the actual divorce after I was already separated for four and a half years. I'm not going to go into that, but we had to move. And then I had to sort of start again. And in where I went, there was not the level of commitment to development as in New York. So it was hard to get clients. And I thought, oh, here is a classic case of somebody having something great to market and nothing to market, nobody to market it to because they were not my market. They just didn't want to invest in themselves. So I thought, okay, after two years of just living on credit cards, having every tiny bit of money sucked out of my life and being in deep debt because of that, I've never been in deep debt in my life. I thought, you know what? I have to get online. And four and almost a half years ago, about four and a half years ago, I woke up one morning and I thought I need to get online and I need to just invest and get online and just do this thing because I'm 54 years old and it's broken. And I wasn't feeling great about my life. I wasn't great mindset. I was like... If I don't do this now, what's going to happen? I'm, it's not, I'm failing. My kids are going to, my daughter's going to see that. I'm in deep debt. It's not working. I have to reconstruct my business now, now or never. I found a program that was actually since shut down by the FTC because they're so spammy, but I joined them. Three different credit cards. I plonked down 10 more K. I just sucked it up and I went online and they were going to do ads for me. But I realized right away that ads will not work with a new offer. I, I saw that and they said, you're right, it won't. I said, but that's what I paid you for. They said, oh, no, you can't do this. I said, yeah, I paid you 10K. They said, yeah, you got to go figure out organic marketing. I said, what is that? Carrots? Like organic carrots? And they said, no, Jean, go talk to people. Four words of coaching. And I said, I can do that. That's the coaching because I've done that my whole life. So I went online, I learned how to talk to people and I learned how to get clients without ads, no funnels, no nothing, talking to people. And I got to a million dollars in 17 months with no ads on my own with just a little bit of a VA helping me. That's incredible. That's and incredible. now I'm at over 3 million, but now I have a team and I have other coaches and you know, I don't do, I don't work that hard. I work hard, but it's not like it was. So that it works. And then people are like, how did you do that? And then COVID started and I served a lot of people in COVID who just needed to get online and start an online coaching business. So I was well positioned. It was providential. And then I would have done, I think I would have done well. I was already doing really well. It's not like COVID made me. It was the same. Maybe it helped a bit. And then maybe not because people were like, I don't have any money. But yeah. And then I just kept going and we've helped over 420 coaches and consultants and service providers at this point. That's incredible. That's incredible. In the area of specialty, in, in terms of your coaching, what did you, like, basically, what did you really focus on when, as you were building your business initially? Oh, initially. Okay. Before the eight years offline, that was classical business coaching and consulting for all businesses, brick and mortar. And I'm also an executive leadership coach with servant leadership. So CEOs, their teams, communication, productivity, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Then when I got online, I realized right away, coaches mainly don't know how to get clients. I thought, okay, I'm a coach. I already had coached coaches. It was in the mix, but I thought they really need help. So it worked. It was just such a fit. So now I'm known for coaches and consultants and certain service providers as well, because the, the organic methods work for that as well. So sometimes digital marketers that don't know how to do organic marketing come to me, for instance. It's ironic because they're running ads, but they can't run ads for themselves. They won't work with their mm -hmm. offer. So yeah, I'm, I'm known for coaching coaches. Yes. But I coach all kinds of coaches. So it's not like the circular coaches that coach coaches, who coach coaches, coaches. I coach coaches that coach human beings. Like I coach relationship coaches who coach couples. I coach business coaches who do coach other businesses. I coach real estate investment coaches. I coached a Bitcoin coach, spiritual life coaches, 
doctor coaches for other doctors, lawyer coaches, executive leadership, you name it, wellness, health, every kind of coach I've coached. That's amazing. Well, because most people think that coaches don't have a coach, right? Because they know they're the expert. Oh, that's that's that old. Crazy. Right. And when I first started coaching, <laughs> I know I, I got that right away. I did my, my coaching certification. I wasn't a business coach. I was a life coach at first. And I met with a friend of mine in New York. We were at the, the park with our kids. And she goes, oh, you're a coach. I said, yeah. She goes, well, who's your coach? I said, I'm a coach. She goes, no, who's your business coach? I said, I need a business coach. She goes, yes. She goes, I could do that for you. I said, who's your coach? And I hired her coach. I shortcut. I said, she went, uh, she goes, you're smart. I said, no, I'll hire your coach. So I hired her coach. And the first clients I got, I was immediately helping them with their marketing. And she said, you are a business coach. You're a natural. Again, something else I was good at naturally was business coaching and strategy. I'm very creative. And I think it was from the whole artistic thing and, you know, resourcefulness. In everything. She goes, you're, she goes, you're a business coach. So then I became a life and business coach. And then I was an executive coach and executive in business. And now I am a business coach for coaches, consultants. And I also have another offer. I don't talk a lot about, I have a very high end offer for like top CEOs, icons, and celebrities. And that is like everything that's legacy, whether they want to start a business, uh, you know, crisis management, professional confidant relationship, everything. That's high end, but that's not something I like advertise freely. That's like people that know people that need help. That's amazing. That's amazing. You've built this, this niche and you have this ability to connect with people, which I think is so, so amazing. I'd be curious to hear too, like what's been your favorite story, like of transformation in working with these different coaches or they, their clients? Oh, you know, I joke with my kids and they're like, mom, <laughs> you know, I, when my, my clients get wins, I'm so happy. That I even said to my kids, you know, I'm almost as happy as like when you get a trophy or something like mom, because I see my clients almost as like my kids and not in a bad way. Like I'm so invested that they're family that when a client says, oh my gosh, I just got my very first high ticket client. I never thought I could do this. And they're crying. I'm like, oh, we're crying together. I'm like, oh, I'm so proud of you. You know, it's just, I just got goosebumps. I've changed a life because once you do that once, they got the fishing rod. They're empowered, Right. You know, when some guy comes to me and says, you know what, I, I just want to be at home with my five kids and my wife. I'm so tired of being, you know, a wedding videographer and being, I said, okay, let's fix this. What can we do? And I said, you know, you could coach other wedding videographers on how to get those high-end weddings. And he's like, brilliant. And he goes and gets his first 4K client the next day and then another one and 8K in one week. And he's like, John, you changed my life. And I can be at home with my kids. I love it. I just changed the, not his life, his whole family's life. They could move then to another state that's cheaper. And that guy actually got online and he became a big influencer. And I, I saw that he made like a million dollars in 16 months the other day. So I'm like, yeah, I, I change lives. And in fact, my goal is to change lives. I have a bigger vision now. I'm going to, I'm doing a bigger vision later. I'm working with Peter Diamandis, you know, the A360 to like, what's my massive transformational purpose. So I have other stuff I'm developing because I really, truly love because I was poor a lot. So my thing, I'm in, I'm emotionally connected to helping people make money. And when I got past my money story to get so clear on that, that helping people make money is such a good, really good thing to do in life to help people thrive, feed the families. You know, people think that making money is like, oh, we don't need to do that. Yes, you do. When I help people to change their lives and not worry about money and help their families, that's goodness. Money is creating goodness. I love it. 
And people have been like so grateful for me. And I'm like, wow, I matter. I've helped that person make their family not be stressed, get them in the school they want, do what they love, you know, helping other people, get them home if they want to work from home. It's good. So for me, I'm very mission-driven with that as well. I love that, Sean. Oh my goodness. That's super, super powerful. I mean, it's incredible that you were able to go from literally being a single mom at 54, like- And broke, and indeed. And broke. That's what I, I mean. That. Like, What were some of the, and there could be somebody listening right now that's maybe in the same scenario, right? Or know somebody who is, right? So what would be your best pieces of advice if there's, if somebody's facing a situation similar to that, you know, where they're at rock bottom or Mm -hmm. trying to rebuild and what, you know, what steps to take to really shift that mindset to reprogram? Let's talk really deeply about what's real. If this, if somebody's listening in that case, they're in deep, you're in deep fear right now, deep fear. And anxiety and it's scary. It's not like, oh, this happened. Let's take myself back. Deep fear. I didn't know this was going to work. I had a kernel of belief in myself somewhere in my mind way back here. But weren't you the one that was supposed to be a really successful person? And by the way, a million dollar coach, that little voice. And when I became a million dollar coach, I didn't even notice it for a while. I thought, oh, I did a million, you know, because somewhere, somewhere, even though I'd been through all that, somewhere I still believed in myself, somewhere been through a lot, but I thought, no, I'm not a loser. Why am I not where I should be? I shouldn't be. I should be somewhere else. And that's real. I should have been because just my life story and and what I believe in myself and know in myself, I wasn't going to lay back and roll over and just say, oh, well, it didn't work. Right. So you have to wade through that fear. You have to wade through it. You just got it because you're way, you got to wade through it. You got to keep wading because that's kind of how it feels. And you've got to find a kernel of belief. You don't have to fully believe in yourself. You don't have to go, yay, you know, I'm faking, I'm good. I'm scared to death right now, but what do I know of myself? Do I have belief? If you have a kernel of belief, it's enough. Go with it. And you need to, you need to take action while you're dragging those fears behind you. Not facing your fears and figuring them out. That's never going to work. The only way is to take action and drag the fears behind you. Kind of like, let's say you're a plane and you're going to take off, but the the wings are laden down with these fears and you can't take off, you're stuck. You're going to take off anyway. And guess what? Once you're in the air, the fears start to peel off because that's what happens on the wings of planes. And then you're flying, but you've got to take action. You've got to take those steps and you can't, and don't just be in your head the whole time thinking, thinking over and over and rethinking just keeps you stuck. It just creates this rut. So I thought, okay, I'm scared to death right now. I have two kids. We are living on credit. I'm 54 years old. It's not like everybody's like, yeah, I want a 54 year old coach. They're not looking for old people. Let's face it. I thought I'm going to do this anyway. I have to do this. I have no choice. I'm going to get help. I'm going to invest even more and it has to work. I, I tell you, for eight weeks, it didn't work. I was like, what am I going to do? And I kept going. I, I spoke to 900 people on Facebook and I had 18 sales calls before I got my first sale organically online. It wasn't like I just did it. 18 sales calls. Wow. So it wasn't like it just happened and Jean Alor was lucky. It was I kept going because I thought this has worked for other people. I'm going to crack this code. And that's what made me so good at it. So if my clients don't have to do all that, because now I have trainings for them. We have step-by-steps. I didn't have all that. I was figuring it's out on my own. Messy. So yeah, I would say, and you have to invest in yourself. You cannot figure stuff out where there's no knowledge. It's not there. It's not there. 
When people say, oh, it's all within you. No, it's not. I don't know how to create rockets. It's not within me. I literally cannot create a rocket. Can you? <laughs> I can't go to NASA and drop and write. That's not within me. So I don't believe that. It's not within me. It is not. To be a surgeon, I'd have to go study that. Or to be a rocket scientist, I'd have to go be talented and study that. So when people go, oh, you have it within you. No, you don't. If you did, you wouldn't need to go to college. You wouldn't need to learn stuff. You wouldn't need to get mentors and coaches. You wouldn't need to go to school even if it was all within us. Why are we sending our kids to school if it's all within them? So there is a big hypocrisy going on there. Does that make sense? Makes like, perfect. Really? You can be a concert pianist with no lessons? I do know there are prodigies, but they still get coaches. No, you don't know. You've got to get help to collapse time. Yes. Because you're just getting more and more demoralized telling yourself, I should know how to do this. No, you shouldn't. Why should you? Know something you don't know? We don't know stuff we don't know. I would say you got to like cut yourself some slack and stop blaming yourself. I never said to myself, I should know how to do online marketing. Nope. Nobody taught me. I got to learn. I was very clear on that. Always got coaches. Absolutely. And you mentioned something super important, which I think is where the biggest value in coaches lays, which is collapsing time. Right. Do you want to spend the time, money, and energy figuring something out? Or do you want to hack time and problems mm -hmm. and money and all of that by hiring someone to teach you the ropes so that you don't have to learn it yourself right. like or trial by fire on your own, right? Because right. everyone thinks, oh, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. And then at the end of the day, it's a whole nother story, you know? Well, you it's know, like if people have that kind of leisure time and don't need the money, go for it. But I don't know why you would do that because all it is, is I don't believe in investing in myself. So basically it's telling me that you don't believe in yourself enough because, and people say, oh no, it's not that. Yeah, it is. Because if you'd rather not succeed because you want to cobble it together because you want to save some money, but you would spend that money on vacations and new cars, I'm like scratching my head sometimes. Like I value Look, I have always had this mindset even before I was a coach. Most of my money in my life has gone towards my self-development. When I was an actor, I spent so much money on acting classes, coaches. I just, whatever it took. I spent thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on singing lessons over years. Years. If I wanted to learn something, I would go pay for that painting, painting classes. I always invested in myself for my self-development, no matter what that was. So I was in a habit of this and I never begrudged. I thought, what's more important that I buy new clothes or that I develop my skills? Always the skills. So, because I value my self-development above everything. I would not go on a vacation if I, I did go on vacations, but I mean, it was not, oh gee, I'm going to go buy that, this object or I'm going to get a lesson. No, my money, the lessons came first. I would wear old clothes. I would buy fewer clothes. I would not go out to dinner. I would not do things. And I'd say, no, the goat, because I was, just, you know, an actress. I didn't have a lot of money. Most of my, my money went on rent, food, and classes. That was the budget. Rent, food, and classes. I never went out. Rarely went out to a cheap restaurant with my, you know, my actor friends. I didn't smoke. I didn't drink. None of that. Didn't buy Manolo Blahnik shoes. <laughs> I didn't do all that stuff. So to me, you only have one of you. Wouldn't you develop yourself more than anything? That's my whole. So it's still, it always came first. So I always had that. Of course, I'm going to develop in my business myself. Now, if I don't know something, 
I will immediately pay somebody just to get one answer. Cause then I have it. I'm like, Oh, didn't know that. Wow. It did save me a lot of time and money or well, now I know it. Now I'm not going to waste time trying to figure stuff out. I don't know. Cause I've wasted time and money and no peace of mind in that. I want my, I want my time back, especially cause I'm 58 now. I want to be 59 in April. Do you think I'm wasting a minute of my life these days? <laughs> no, not a minute. Absolutely. Well, it's it. Well, they say now they're like, you know, the actual wealth is actually in time and not in money, right? Because you can always make more money. You know that you made a lot of money in your life. You know very well, you can always turn on the money, right? You right. can always, if you lose money, you can always make it back. You cannot get time back. It's not a cliche. It's true. We cannot get those units back. We can get a unit of a dollar. You can get your units of minutes, hours, days, months, years. You cannot get that back. It's gone. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why I'm I'm big, especially when it comes on the coaching, much like you, I've had the same experience where it's like, okay, I'd rather pay someone that, that's been there, done that so mm -hmm. that I could collapse that time and be able to learn and then just keep growing and growing and growing. And that's what's kind of created that whole compound interest with me of all the things that I've learned. Cause it's like, okay, well, I've brought someone in who was an expert here, 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 here. Mm -hmm. So I've accelerated my growth. 10 exactly. That's and that's so smart. That's the Henry Ford thing. He just surrounded himself. I, re I read that years ago and I took note of that. I thought, ah, I wasn't even a business person. I read that about Henry Ford. He surrounded himself with experts that were better at every single thing. He was just managing them all. It's unbelievable. It's yeah. so true. Mm -hmm. It's so, so true. When you're around these people, you're always learning, growing all the things. And that's, that's incredible. And now, question for you. So when it comes to the coaching space and transformation and all of this in general, because I'm sure you've seen a lot of people kind of throughout the, the process and at different stages in their life and, and all that, what has been the, or maybe it's one thing, maybe it's a couple of things, what have been the most important elements to transformation that you've seen? Or well, like, it's, to transform? it's really just willing to do the work and stop it's willing to break the contract with oneself that we've had of being stuck, of being fearful, of, of double guessing. This is a contract that we make with ourselves. I'm, I'm going to be anxious. That's never going to work. I'm going to be stuck. And it's, a it's, it's unconscious. And when I actually point this out to some of my clients, they go, ah. Oh. So it's really about being brave enough, not fearless, courageous is the word brave and courageous enough to say, okay, okay, this is actually the crux of it. Thousands of people have told me on sales calls what they want through my career, whether it's an investment banker or coaches or whatever. And I'm listening. What do you want? Okay. There's two types of people in this world. The ones that will do whatever it takes to get what they want and the ones that won't. And they just, just empty dreams. So my thing is get clear on what you want and be that person that does whatever it takes. If it's not an ethical, immoral, or illegal, whatever it takes to get what you want. Otherwise, you're just one of those everyday people that talks about what they want and is never going to put their money where their mouth is. So that's the thing. What do you want? Are you going to commit? If you say you want it, then you either say, I do want it. I'm going to do whatever it takes and it will happen. Or you say, okay, I say I want it, but am I really ready? No, I'm not. Then give it up. Because that middle ground is torture, where you say you want something, but you're never going to do anything. You created a limbo life. Your life's in limbo. It's kind of, yes, I want it, but I'm never going to do it. So yes, I want it. Just give it up. Be clear. 
Do I want it? Yes, I do. How, what are you willing to do? Not, not, no, I'm not willing to do all that. Okay. Then let it go. Cause a million dollars doesn't passively drop in your lap. You and I both know that, right? Absolutely. Yet I get people. Yeah. I'd be a millionaire if it just happens. Ain't going to just happen. Give it up. Not going to just happen unless you win the lottery. You don't want to have that kind of a mentality where oh, I might win the lottery. So it really is that you have to commit, commit. Do you want it? If you do commit, do whatever it takes. Stop belly aching. Stop complaining. Stop thinking things are going to happen on the first try. Stop thinking you're the only person in the world. And it's got to work for you even though it worked for nobody else. Understand numbers. It's trial and error. It's testing. Life is life. Just because, you know, like business is not like any other part of your life. No part of our lives is smooth. We all know that. You already know that as a parent. Four months, you already know it's not smooth. You already know it's not what they said in the books, right? You figured right. that out already, right? Second day, you figured that out, right? Because right. it's not what they say in the books, expect to, expecting, never what you're expecting. So why is it business the only place in the world where it should just work or we're losers? Who taught them that? It's just like every part of your life where you struggle, relationships, school, parenting, family, health, everything, practicing piano, being good at sports. Those are not without problems. So if you get real and say, okay, I'm not going to make it that my business has to be the only thing in my life that's an anomaly because that's what people are doing, right? It's just like every other part of my life, test trial and error, things are going to go right. Things are going to go badly. I'm going to stick with it. And I'm not going to have a magic wand lottery ticket mentality and you will go far. Love that. I love that, Sean. I love that. Oh, I'm like getting fired up over here. Just like listening to <laughs> so amazing. And given that you're in the marketing space, organic marketing space, what are yes. some like tools and tips for somebody who's listening? That's maybe looking to get expand onto the marketing because as we all know, that is the defining moment of a business, right? How well you can market, you can have the best product in the world. If you can't market it appropriately, mm -hmm. it's going nowhere, right? So what okay. are some tips? So, so I'm going to say something very good that people are going to think, ah, see what I don't like is gatekeeping and it's, oh, it's going to be so difficult. What I like doing is simplifying stuff. And that's why I've made a lot of money is people like, I love that. Wow. That was so simple. So I'm going to say something really heartening. Okay. It does not take much to market an offer online with organic marketing. I have gotten people to sell an offer in one day that I crafted for them on a sales call. And they've gotten a client the next day with the insight I gave them just on the sales call because they went with it. And I have helped many people. They go, I want to coach, but I don't know what. Great. I'm not a gatekeeper. Tell me about that. I'm really good at this. And I listen. I see people. I see genius in people. I'm the genius whisperer. And I'm like, okay, I see that. Let's make that happen. And they're like, oh yeah, sure. I'm not going to go, oh, go do certification and do all that weird stuff. People, basically human beings often just try to hold you back. I've had this many times in my life, hold you back, make it seem like it's harder than it is, keep you back and make them seem more important than you. And, oh, well, I did that, but you can't, not my gig. I'm not a gatekeeper. It's like, yeah, what do you want to do? I want to help people with addiction. Have you done that? Yes, I have. I've gotten great results. Great. I'll craft an offer. We're going to get you out there and it's going to be a high ticket and you're going to get clients. Boom. This literally happened. The guy goes out. I had to get him past like mindset. We have, we have a whole team of mindset, heart-based sales, content coach. We got a big, like I have experts on my team like Henry Ford. And he said, I cannot believe that I went and had somebody pay me $3,000 to get him over his addictions. He's not certified. He's not a doctor. 
The guy just said, I dig you. You really know how to do this. Okay, help me. So there are people that don't care whether you're certified. They just see that you can help them and they want that help. Now, some do need to be certified. I get certified coaches that like you have to be certified for executive leadership. If you're going into a company, they always say, are you certified? Okay. But although I did, not always, I got a client of mine to get executive leadership coaching and she was not certified. The guy just liked her and he brought her into the company. She's a mindset coach. I helped her to do that. So there's always an exception. So I just broke my own rule. So yeah, I mean, it's not that hard. It's really just, do you have a valuable offer? You don't need to build landing pages. You don't even need a website. And I help people to position themselves like that. Go out, get on sales calls, learn how to do some content, of course, and learn how to position it and get over the mindset, get over all the triple guessing that people are doing and highlight value and get clients. It's that easy, really not hard. Absolutely. Well, I think that's where the, the art and the genius comes in, right? So it's like, you know, what value are you giving to your client and, and then showcasing that as a whole nother thing. Cause as you said, you know, sometimes it's so much easier when it's somebody from a third party, like you coming in and seeing the mm -hmm. genius of that person. Right. And being able to extract that and basically showcase that. Cause yes. I think a lot of people know they're, they're like a lot of coaches and entrepreneurs, they're brilliant. They know their stuff, mm. they're experts, right. But they have a hard time going outwards to see, mm. okay, like how can I actually showcase this? Because there's a whole lot of self-limiting beliefs. There's mm -hmm. a whole lot of stuff with that. So it's just, it's fascinating to hear kind of what that process looks like. So in your perspective, basically it's like, know your value proposition, know what you bring to the table, be the expert in that, and then bring in somebody who's going to help you kind of showcase that to the world. Right. That and the thing is, you don't even need to know that. I help people figure that out from scratch. They're like, I don't know what to do. I want to be a coach. I'm like, great, let's unpack that. They're like, you're going to, yep. I've created offers out of thin air, but I know they're going to work because I, I I know the market. And they're like, do you think that's going to work? I, yep, that will work. And they work. Makes and if it doesn't work that great, we'll tweak it. But it's not that hard. But you see, the thing is, people need mentorship and they need somebody to believe in them. Because they could go and do this themselves, but if they don't have they don't have the belief that it's going to work, it won't work. They could do everything I say just by if I just told you, like if I sat in here and just told you, which would take hours, like what to do, like the whole like marketing thing. People think that they're going to go do that themselves, but they're missing the mentorship and the coaching and the belief, the backup. We can do anything if somebody believes in us and gives us the right. They're missing that part that coaching is valuable. The actual coaching is valuable. Anybody could figure this out. You might not, but. You won't figure out how to do it properly because you don't have mentorship and coaching. They're devaluing the actual coaching. Oh, I did a course on that. Great. There's no coaching in that course. It's a deliverable course. It won't work the way actual coaching will work because it's coaching. So I don't get like a lot of coaches don't actually believe in the process of coaching because they won't get a coach. They just do courses. There's a lot of problems in the industry. You know, personally, I don't mind the bit of, you know, the, 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 I like the programs that go with the coaching because it saves time, but I value coaching and mentorship. I always have mentors and coaches. So of course I value it. Of course I'm paying because then I'd be a fraud, right? Absolutely. And and John, this is one of my favorite questions. And it's the it's almost like my favorite. What would your older self tell your younger self based on what you know now? <laughs> you know what it would say? Nobody cares. Like, you know what? Nobody's watching you. Nobody cares. They just care about what they want. Nobody's like, oh, like... Just stop caring about, I, I worked on this for years of my life, but stop caring about what other people think about you. They're not thinking about you. They're thinking about themselves. Stop caring. If you could just drop all of that fear, what are they going to think about me? Oh, I'd done that years ago. I was so insecure in my younger life. I was a highly insecure person. 
just, I came out that way when I was born. I was just really insecure and very sensitive, hypersensitive. They go together. I was always so worried about what other people thought of me, you know, and give it up. If you could drop that now, oh my gosh, I could have been a success so long ago. I literally don't care what people think about me. It's like, you don't like my way I dress. You don't like the way I look fine. You know, you don't like the way I talk. You don't like that I'm so direct. That's fine. I attract the people that love that. My clients go, oh, I love that you're so direct. I love that shortcutting. I get my people in the door, right? And the people that don't want that directness because they're hiding from themselves won't work with me. They're not ready. They're like, oh no, this is going to uncover my real person. I'm kind, but I want to fast track people and cover all, like just get all that rubbish out of the way. Fast track. That's my goal. And I'm not going to baby people. I'll be lovely and kind, but I'm not going to baby people. I'm going to say, you know what? That's because of this. And they're like, oh, you just changed my life. So some people want that. Some people are not ready for that. They want to kind of get helped a little bit and stay in their stuckness. I'm not going to do it. See, some people listening are going to be like, oh, I would never coach with that woman. I'm scared. Yeah. Then don't coach with me because if one person said, I'm not going to coach with you because I know it's going to work. I was like, wow, that's so honest. He mm -hmm. said, I know this is going to work and I'm not ready for that kind of success. I said, he goes, I see how problematic that is, that that's why I'm not coaching with you because he wants to stay stuck because he mm -hmm. wants the story of staying stuck and the contract to continue because then he can feel sorry for himself. Mm. And I said that he goes, you're right. I'm not ready to stop seeing feeling sorry. He goes, this would work. Scares me to death. Interesting. Mm -hmm. All I want is to be successful. I'm like, I said, I would coach. He goes, yeah, I get it. He goes, I see. He goes, you pointed out to me that I have a big problem on my hands. I said, yep. I uncovered that. Oh man, that's crazy. I love that though. I love what you mentioned about stopping and not caring what other people think. I think that's super, super key, super, super key. Now, I know there's been a lot of people listening and kind of hearing your journey and getting kind of your coaching style and all mm -hmm. of that. And I'm sure that people are going to want to connect with you as well, Jean. Can you let us know the best place to reach you and, and all your awesomeness? Sure. Now you will get a link that has all of my client reviews and a little bit about like what we do. And there's a booking link in there. Uh, also, we'll give you our social media, you know, uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. Those are the three that I actually coach people on. We coach on like all of them because we customize it. Yeah. You know, you can book a call. They can reach out and say, hi, Jean. And, you know, I always answer if I see it, we usually see it unless it's in the hidden inbox that reviews is on my website. So there's all the information there as well. It's really easy. I love it, John. We'll post that link on, on the notes for sure. Thank you so, so, so much for sharing your story, your energy, your time. We're so grateful for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. This has been a great show. Lovely to meet you. So that's it for today's episode of Underdog. Catch us next week, always dropping on Thursdays. And remember, if you're interested in real estate or want to learn how to create more money and magic in your life, check out meetwithpamela.com and let's chat. Sending you so, so much love. All we know is overtime, working like some underdogs. Underdog.